0: The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello and welcome to Know the School. I'm your host Don DeLaRente, and I'm joined by
1: the Libra Icon Dwayne. What's going on, Bud? Been out hey, much uh, in North Carolina. Heading well, back to Nashville tomorrow been a great weekend uh, for Mother's Day
0: weekend, but got a hold another week of sports. So let's get it. All right. All right. the score is being brought to you by the CSPN. You can find us on the web at www.cspn.us. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio. You can find us on Twitter at KTS Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Don DeLaRente. And you can also follow Dwayne on Twitter at The Libra Icon. So, Dwayne, the NHL Conference Finals are first up on the docket. The Washington Capitals followed up their strong effort in Game 1 with a 6-2 win in Game 2 over the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Capitals head back home,
1: leading 2-0. Very, very good effort by the Washington Capitals and and these guys are on a mission and taking two in a very tough place to play in Tampa is very, very remarkable. And one would say that, you know, the Capitals have a lock on this um, series going home, but they haven't really been that good at home in the postseason. I remember when they squandered two to the Columbus Blue Jackets in their first um, series and then they uh, they lost some to the Pittsburgh Penguins on on the road as well. So I mean at home as well. So um I think a lot of people even in Washington they're approaching this with cautious optimism right now. They're happy that they're up two oh but, you know, they've had their hearts broken many times. But what Tampa Bay is gonna have to do is get more sticks on the pucks on defense, use that forecheck, check, um get the get the speed going that they haven't had in the first two rounds. I think this has been – they've pretty much just taken this as a cakewalk for the first two rounds, and I don't know if they've underestimated Washington or what, but um, even though – given the history of the Capitals, this series, um, you know, they're in full control. All sides point to it, but we just have to see how they – um perform at home tonight, game three, eight o'clock Easter time on NBC um at and so it'll be very interesting to see if Tampa Bay can find the Bay can find a way to get everything together to play a complete hockey game and not give not blow a two one lead. The power play's been doing fine. It's just what, um, you know, they've given up a good five goals up to there, on two to one in game two. So, uh, Vasilevsky's guys are really good together. Um, and Holtby will have to continue to be the wall he's been for Washington. But, um, this, we'll see how desperate Tampa Bay looks when they, when they, um, hit the ice for game three because they gotta play this as, Elimination game because if they go down 0 3, it's very, very bleak for them.
0: Yeah, if any team knows how, you know, what being down 2 0, how, you know, fragile that really is, it's the Capitals because, you know, they were down 2 0, so, and then they came back and beat Columbus, like you were saying. So they can definitely understand that it could easily be turned around really fast. So I think they're going to stay hungry. And so far, they're just, you know, out skating the lightning and that's rarely done and they're taking advantages of the even man play like you said tampa bay is actually doing pretty good on the power play but five on five the capitals have really dominated so we'll see what tampa bay can do defensively to kind of slow that down we'll move over to the western conference finals where the golden knights they won game two three to one to even up the series at one game apiece with the winnipeg jets so the whiteout was uh, uh, quite the thing to see in game one. And Winnipeg got that one. But then the Golden Knights have taken the home ice advantage back. And they've gotten that one road win. win. So now the series can officially start. And we'll see what they do at home. So uh, talk about the Golden Knights um, doing what they had to do, getting that
1: one game and uh, going home with a little bit of momentum. Well, one thing Vegas has done very well is adjust at the games they've. Uh, lost the previous one. They have looked pretty good in uh game two, um, using their using their defense into the offense. Um uh, Jonas, Jonathan Mat uh he's actually been one of the key scorers. I mean the, whenever he scores Vegas is like at least I think seven or eight and oh when he scores the goal. So uh Tomas Tatar came back from injury. He's one of the big pickups from the Detroit Red Wings, he came in and scored a goal and uh, really silenced the out. And now with the series going to uh, Vegas and 3-1, uh, you know, advantage of Game 2, uh, we'll see how Winnipeg can respond to, uh, with, with, to the environment. I mean, they did survive probably one of the most hostile environments in the NHL at Arizona Arena winning 3 or 4, so um, if there's a team that can't win on the road with ease, it is the Winnipeg Jets so you just gotta really see how Paul Maurice is going to do adjusting after this game and it's really been a game of adjustments in these uh, NHL playoffs for especially the teams that have been out are west um, it's uh, how you lose one game and how you bounce back to win the next game so uh we'll see how Things happen in the West final, how it unfolds, game three Wednesday night, Wednesday night in uh, Vegas, and we'll go from there.
0: Yeah, I really like uh, the Jets through this playoff, so I've really kind of started to root for them. The more that I see them play, they're really fun. They're really excited. Their crowd is really excited, and uh, they really feed off that home energy. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of get one off of the Knights here when they move back to, to Vegas because their crowd is going to be very similar uh, because, you know, this is their first year and they got a chance to do something unprecedented as All the expansion right. team. So it'll be
1: interesting to see the, the shifts due to the home ice crowd. Agreed. Agre- yeah, absolutely. And I think I think uh, when you say that the Jets will be just fine, I think you got, you know, really good players. Uh, Blake Wheeler, team captain, Dustin Bufflin. On defense, uh, Josh Morrissey, Mark Shifley, and, of course, Patrick Lottonay, who's only 20 years old. Um, But, you know, with Vegas, they're going to have a juice up crowd. But, I mean, they have a pretty loud crowd. But Winnipeg survived probably the loudest crowd in the NHL in Nashville. I mean, the decibels got to about 120 at uh, Bridgestone Arena. So I don't think Vegas is Vegas is loud, but they're not as loud as Nashville. And so, if Winnipeg can get three in the loudest environment, I think they can get at least one, and I take home ice back and make it at least a two out of three series.
0: All right, all right. So, you know, we'll keep you updated here on the next episode of Know the Score. Again, this is Know the Score. I'm your host, Don Delorente. I'm joined by my co-host, the Libra icon, Dwayne. And we're going to shift over into the NBA as the conference finals finally got started as the Boston Celtics used a fantastic first half to jump all over the Cleveland Cavaliers. They won that first game 108-83. to 83. The Celtics were led by Jalen Brown. He scored 23 points. He had eight rebounds. And Marcus Morris got the start. And he made the most of the opportunity as he added 21 points. Man, this was uh, was a weird game because now it's like people want to talk about it, but they're so used to LeBron kind of, you know, waddling through this game one where he kind of loses all the time that everybody's waiting to see what happens in game two before they kind of put their definitive stamp on what happened in game one. (laughs) So it's been a very strange couple of days surrounding this basketball game and the outcome so as a celtics fan and also a, a journalist kind of put your two hats on and then you know tell me what you thought as a fan and then kind of as your journalist hat what you saw objectively
1: all right well the fan side so i loved it it was uh something that i wasn't expecting uh not just i mean celtics one is always a great thing i thought the game would be a a lot more closer, and but the way Boston went on that twenty-five point, you know, barrage in the first quarter, it was just a great thing to see. Uh, just the way the Garden shows up for these games, uh, whether it's a day game or night game, um, it really just gives the team the energy needed to you know, feel off. And that's one of the, a good, um, eight, you know, in the playoffs. I want to say eight or nine and o in the playoffs right now. So, um, you know, it's something really good to see that, yeah, eight and zero in the playoffs with so Trafford, nine and all. Um, protected home court, very huge. Uh, as a, for the journalist side, you know, Marcus is, I mean, let's give him credit. You know, he, one out of his way, and you know, said he's probably one of the best players out of Kawhi Leonard that could stop LeBron James. And a lot of people were like, "What are you doing? You know, why are you poking the bear? What are you smoking?" And, and you know, I mean, LeBron only had 15 points on five to sixteen shooting, and and when um, LeBron isn't going, going, the rest of the team looks pretty lost, and it looked like you know. Ty Lube ran out of timeouts very late. I'm um, very early in the fourth quarter um, trying to stop the bleeding. And, you know, it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, he got a feel for what's going to happen. I mean, game one's always been a feel out game. Um, but we'll have to see what he does for game two or what adjustments Brad Stevens will make. Because Brad Stevens even said himself, this is you know, we need to be even more on point for game two because we know the Browns are going to come back with a vengeance. So okay. I'm hoping as a fan, you know, they can continue that guarded momentum. I'm hoping a, a 2-0 lead would be pretty awesome because a lot of people said Celtics didn't. I mean, Celtics would lose them. And as a journalist picked, the Cavaliers in five. But, um. But it would be kind of nice to say, hey, you know, give this team more credit than than what they you know deserve because they're still doing this without Kyrie Irving and Hayward.
0: Does this game to me look like a game where LeBron was trying to get his guys into the game in the first quarter, especially? And uh, Kevin Love was just missing uh, his shots that he that that he was getting. Jr. was missing shots. And the Celtics were just getting the ball and just running and running out and, you know, getting easy buckets. And they just piled up because the Cavs didn't shoot that well. So it'll be interesting to see in this next game where I'm pretty sure LeBron won't be so passive to start where he's going to look to score and be super, super aggressive in the first quarter, especially the first half of the first quarter where then we're going to be able to get a real test to see kind of what Brad Stevens' defensive scheme really is or how to shut down LeBron if he starts going into, you know, super saiyan mode of I'm just going to do whatever I got to do to to, to put us over the hump. So I think that's what a lot of people are waiting to see, kind of LeBron going to game two LeBron mode, which is always, you know, Death Star LeBron, I call him. Where he's trying to obliterate you in the first half and flex his muscle and be like, Okay, I'm gonna put the fear in you right here where, you know, I can do whatever I want. I was
1: just messing around the first game. Exactly. And and um that's one thing as a fan that, you know, I'm fearful but ready for and then but on the other on the flip side I'm just also looking at it like, you know, here you know, here we are you know, we got this first game, we can get the second game, and, and then just see what happens from there. I really think that people have underestimated this team all postseason long. I mean, so the team also has been on the first round of Milwaukee on paper, and then the Sixers were supposed to sweep them in the second round. And so now it's like, okay, now they got LeBron. LeBron's going to stump through them, so... We'll just see what happens from this point. It's just uh just kind of just a ride that I'm just enjoying at the moment.
0: You have to give Danny Ainge a lot of credit because I think Jeff Van Gundy was making this point that as a team, is they're much bigger and they're actually quicker than they were last year with the moves yeah. that they made by you know trading Isaiah Thomas, getting rid of Avery Bradley, getting rid of Olenek. They've kind of like changed the whole makeup of their squad. And now they actually kind of have a team that maybe is built to kind of guard LeBron. where they can just, you know, it doesn't matter who he gets on. They got somebody who can body him up, at least slow him down, you know, long enough where the help can maybe come over and and make him, you know, because LeBron, that's the one thing most teams count on about, I think when they play LeBron, is he will make the smart basketball play. So if you double team him, he's going to move the ball. He's not going to, you know, over dribble or take a bad shot usually. So you Mm -hmm. can kind of manipulate, you know, if you get beat a little bit, but most teams don't have enough people where they can hold them long enough where guys can get over there to kind of help them. So I think that's kind of another thing that's underlooked about Boston's team is just kind of the guys that they have now yeah. as far as size and length and, and being able to move their feet and guard multiple positions, that it's kind of looked like they they geared up their team just to kind of get into this scenario where if we have to guard them over and over and over again, we got guys who can do it. Right. Agreed. All right. Agreed. So we'll move over to the Western conference where this is definitely the one that's got everybody's, you know, attention. All the eyes were on this This is basically, you know, the two fastest guns in the West and they're going to have a duel. And uh, Houston started out fast, but they could not sustain it as the warriors behind 37 points from Kevin Durant and 27 from Clay Thompson beat Houston. 119, 106. James Harden led the Rockets with 41 points a lot of people are uh, saying that uh, it might be rut row time for Houston because uh, they hit them with that haymaker in the first half of the first quarter and uh, they got up double digits 12-13 or 13, there for a brief second and then the next thing you know we get to halftime it's tied up the Warriors haven't really played that well and you know what they're about in that third quarter and that's that
1: action boss yeah and yeah, that's probably one of the things that Uh, we forget about the Golden State Warriors. This is something that, you know, even as a, as a team, the Warriors kind of wanted to see how they could do as a road team, not having that top seat, not being at home, and they answered the call really, really well. Uh, we always know that, uh, one thing I've noticed as a team, you know, with the Golden State Warriors is when that third quarter comes on, that's the period that teams really need to clamp down on because that's when they turn it on. Uh, this was before KD, during KD. Um, and what happens is, you know, they play their same style of basketball. It's just once the third quarter, they get out there, they get out of the locker room. They already, you know, got the feel for the game. And next thing you know, they're just hitting barrages of shots and, you know it can come from anywhere. It can come from Curry, Durant, Thompson, even Draymond Green or Andre Godala. uh, There's always somebody able to make a shot, and and like I said, he just ran out of. I think he just ran out of gas, and you know the isolation basketball can only work to a certain point. And if Mike D'Antoni isn't going to change up anything and still stick with this iso ball we might not even see a seven game series we might be seeing a sweep of you know know, you're trying to do the same thing and it doesn't work Um, it's not going to be a pretty sight but this is what Houston was built for Houston was built to um, have a season like this 65 wins top seed in the West best record in the NBA and, you know, all that went to naught with one game. Now they gotta try to win two to get the home court back and one of those places one of those wins had to come into Oakland. So now you guys just wonder how are we going to how are we going to uh clamp down on defense and who else besides uh, James Harden and Chris Paul are gonna step up? I mean Clint Capella was virtually neutralized in this uh, matchup. Um, Eric Gordon is going to need to make some shots. Um, I would say Ryan Anderson, but he's on a milk cart, has been for the last two years. Um, somebody besides uh, Holland Harden going to do, do something at this point.
0: Eric Gordon actually did have a pretty good game last night. Um, I think he scored like 18 points off the bench. Uh, what I found very interesting was – they both made 13 threes, but uh, Golden State shot a few less, so their percentage was better. Um, Golden State made, I think it was 40 field goals, and I think um, that the uh, Houston had something like 39, something. It was kind of close. But the difference was at the free throw line, the Warriors actually shot 13 more free throws than uh, Houston did on Houston's home court. And when you think about them, Houston, that is having hard and how often, you know, he baits people into getting just crazy free throws. That was the hidden advantage in the game and how the, the warriors were able to basically win this game and, and hold um, Houston off because it was really close. And a lot of other statistics Houston out rebounded them. So <clears throat> you have to look at kind of the sneaky stats like this, because you, you have to figure, if Houston's gonna win this a game in this series, you know, they're gonna have to get a whole bunch of threes and a whole bunch of dunks. And you're gonna need more than two players, like you said, contributing to that. Right. Especially if Kevin Durant's gonna just score over whoever you put on him at, at right. any point from anywhere on the court. I mean, he would there was like a
1: shooting gallery. Right. And it's at this point because there's really virtually nobody that can guard Durant anywhere around right now. So you just got to let Durant get his and find ways to, you know, let everybody else. um,
0: They put so much pressure on you because, I mean, even their second team, like, their second team is less talented, but they move the ball even more than the first team, so they make up for it. So they're even tougher to play on your defense because you got Clay Thompson and Livingston always cutting through the lane, and they're very good finishers in the lane, so and the big guys can pass off of the cut, so I mean, it, it is just it is very hard to play these guys a bunch of games in a row and beat them. Right. <laughs> you
1: it's, it's, a ju- it's a juggernaut. It's a <laughs> right. true, true juggernaut. And it's just just tough to stop. And, and, it's so- and the greatest
0: thing that Steve Kerr and his organization has done is they've Taken a bunch of guys and they've convinced them that if we can all share this basketball, we'll all be good. Like from mm-hmm. the first man down to the bench, the last dude on the bench, we'll all be good. Right. And they've totally bought into it. And, and it's just hard to stop, but beautiful to watch. Exactly. <laughs> Poetry emotion. Right, right. So um, before these game two start, kind of what you think about, um, Golden State. What do you think they, in, in in Houston? What do you think they, yeah, Houston's going to be able to do in Game Two? Um, I think we understand Whatever. what their adjustment needs to be as far as offensively, but Ooh. it may be just trying what they can
1: figure out on defense that actually might help them win the series. Well, I think what they're going to, excuse me. I think one thing they're going to need to do is to just um, stop looking for the rest for one. Uh there was a couple times where yeah, there especially that backcourt violation. Was it a backcourt violation? Absolutely. But the whistle was not blown, so you have Clay Thompson literally he could have got out of bed, made breakfast, had a lunch, <laughs> uh warmed up, took a shower, got ready for the game, and played part of played most of the <laughs> the game and then he still made the three. Like they gave him so much time. Like the way he was able to get his feet set for a good ten seconds and then make the shot. Like that was very, very poor defense. So they're gonna have to stop looking for the refs, play clamp down on defense on um this um whoever's in the game. I mean even a second game is hard. Like you said, it's hard to Guard. Whenever I need to move the ball a little bit more, um, you know, the isolations are fine. But um, if Gold stage is going to converge on the guy that they're isolating, then you need to find another strategy or get that ball out to somebody who's open that can make a shot. Um, those are two of the biggest things I noticed in this game. Um, you know, they can cut. Uh, not unravel in that third quarter and just play basketball, they have a chance to win game two. If they do the same things in game one without any kind of adjustment and uh, still looking for uh, referees' assistance, uh, they'll be in a very, very dire situation going back to Oakland. So they really need to win this game.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a must win uh, at home coming up in game two for Houston. So we'll see what D'Antonio's got on his blackboard uh, in the last uh, 36 hours and see what we can cook up. Is this episode of Know the Score? is being brought to you by Blue Apron. You can get $30 off your first order by just signing up. Go to csbn.us and then click on Keep Our Podcast Free and click on Blue Apron to sign up for your first order. Blue Apron will then start sending you great meals, nutritious meals to your home that you can prepare in 30 to 45 minutes. And it takes out the hassle of going to the grocery store and knowing what to get to eat healthy. It's all right there for you. Contained, fresh, everything right there for you to go. So you can help keep the podcast free hear it, Know the Score and eat healthy by just signing up or Blue Apen through csbn.us So the way we're going to get into our final topic and the Supreme Court reverses their 1992 ruling that betting on sports is illegal due to the, um, you know, it would impeach the integrity of the game. It's basically what they would say. It would, you know, make it easier for the games to be corrupted and so forth. Well, they have turned that around. And the court has decided that they will now allow the state to individually make the decision on to allow sports gambling in their state or not. So kind of like what they've done with the marijuana laws. It's not so much the feds are cracking down on it. It's kind of like, hey, if you want to do it here, you can. If you can't, if you don't, oh, well, you don't have to. So just first off, your initial thoughts when this first came down is just like,
1: Bombshell of a ruling, well, I mean, I first saw it I was kind of just I mean didn't really phase um, me one way or another. I mean this is good if you do the um daily fantasy and um you know placing um that's, that are actually legal uh, it's so one of those things where where the integrity of the game isn't being harmed with anything. I think a lot of I think we're in a world where, you know, daily fantasy, money leagues, one-day leagues come into play and people we'll want certain players to perform on a high level and it translates into the, the um, actual bottom line of the game itself and I think if we just are able to focus on, you know, these states just if they do allow, just focus on, you know, DraftKings and and um, other daily fantasy uh companies, FanDuel, things like that. Um I think it's I think most of these states will realize that you know their teams are not going to be affected by this if they have a team, and it's not going to affect any players unless, uh, you know, the unless the players that deliberately violate the uh, by the governing bylaws of their specific league, uh, CP Rose, um, but we should. This is a good thing for this is progression uh, in the. In the sports world, um, it's kind of probably the evolution of sports where, you know, fans do use a lot of different statistics and analytics and trying to strategize their fantasy football draft strategy or their daily fantasy strategy, try to win some money and go from there.
0: So there's about to be let's say they think that they're projecting that maybe in the next four to five years at 32 States will have some form of a sports bet in their state. Uh, they're saying that New Jersey um, may be able to get something up in time for the NFL season. That's coming up. So they were the state who took this court, uh, Chris Christie. Um, he fought it, put it in the Supreme court and they won. So, um, now you have this extra revenue that's going to come in. So, of course, the leagues are going to want to get some. So they're going to, I guess, provide some sort of way that you can go online through their website, NBA.com, I guess, and you could place a wager if you're in a if you're in a state that allows gambling, I guess, and you may have to pay a two percent fee for their service to allow them, you know, to allow you to place your bet. So that's money for them. TV will definitely see an uptick because now you got people with an interest in games that they might not normally sit through. But if you got money on the game, you're definitely not turning it off until the very end. Then you have, you know, especially the teams are going to be able to start placing ads in casinos and getting revenue from that that they could never do before. So all of this extra money comes about and guess who still doesn't get any? The college athletes. So, talk about kind of how everybody else is going to get more money and college is still going to get left out, it looks like in the end.
1: Well, I mean, it's uh, going to be one of those things where we're going to have to just see how the ruling kind of plays out um, for the NCAA. Um, We all know that. And this is a cricket organization, you know, under the facade of amateurism, but breaking in all the dollars and, you know, trying to justify it with uh, scholarships and a free, quote unquote, free education is, um, and has been bogus for many, many years. Um, the cash cows of the sport, um, uh, still not able to get their uh wonderful and fair share of items and it's uh, one of those things where there's nothing against you know the coaches testing an indictment on them they're just doing their job putting them in the best position to win and they're doing their, they're doing a great job of being the the um uh, Uh, that's what I look for. They're doing the best job they are being the headman of these programs. And they are, it's just one of those, it sucks for the college athlete. And, you know, of course, you, because you have to do these things and you still have to, you know, check your eligibility, make sure it doesn't violate anything. And that's pretty much all I got for that. But see, that's
0: where I figure that that's where a integrity issue would come. It's always, it would be always easier to influence a college kid just because of their circumstance. Whereas, you know, an NBA player, you can never offer him enough money to to, to throw a game. You know what I mean? Or, you know, a referee, maybe. But, you know, a college kid, for sure. You know, especially if, you know, they get hooked into, hey, man, you got all these people betting on you, making money. You got, you know, your coaches making money. You got your team making money. You got the concession stand making money. You're not making any. But here's a quick way you can. And all you got to do is just have an off night by just a little here or there. You know? Yeah. Don't take any normal shots you wouldn't Mm -hmm. take or make. But just don't make as many you know right so you know i think that that would be the way that if they wanted to be smart is that the state if they were going to come in with this it would have to be on something where i don't know you allocate whatever percentage you want and say hey this is for the college athletes colleges that you bet on and, you know, somehow that money goes back to those kids who played for it, you know? Right. Agreed. That would be the smart way to do it. But this is the NCAA we're talking about, and they haven't really done anything smart in forever. And, and never, yeah. And um, I'm glad you brought up, like, DraftKings, because that's another thing I was going to touch on, is, uh, like you said, they already have the built-in platform. So all they have to do is basically use the gps on your device find out where you are if you allow if you're in a state that allows the betting on the end of the tab where they have games at the end it'd probably say like sports bet or sports book or something and you click on that and then you can just bet and do whatever you want right there from your phone right and you already have you know you're already used to that you don't have to go anywhere you know what i'm saying everybody's kind of gotten in tune to that type of like you said wagering system that they kind of have where you may have to put up a buck to enter the game, or three dollars in the game, or a hundred dollars in the game, depending on what the "quote unquote" prize money is. So, yeah, it's it's gonna be a very interesting um, uh-huh. wave for everything, for not only just the sports themselves, but the way the sports are marketed, the media coverage, because now Bill Belichick won't be able to just be like, "Oh, Tom Brady, dumb." Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying you're going to have to, you know, can't just put people on the 50 guys on the disabled list and not disclose like a little bit more information now because you need it for the purposes of the yeah. public having all the information they need to to make sure that they can do this the way that has been mandated. So, yes, yeah, so a lot of things are going to be changing. So the next five years in sports are definitely going to be something new. Uh, depending on, you know, which states begin to legalize it. Like, just think about this. Think about a state Mm -hmm. like South Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. Really nothing happening in South Carolina, right? But what if they decided, okay, we're going to make gambling on sports legal, right? right? And then they put the sports book at south of the border. Right. You know, that would be like Dope. It, could, it would make it like a place to go to, to do something cool. If North Carolina would be slow to adapt to, to, to doing it, then you know what I'm saying? It's not that far from a lot of the major cities in North Carolina, right? To get the south of the border. And then, you know what I'm saying? You get more tourists and you get income because there's going to be a tax on the gambling, of course, and whatever you sell in there is going to have sales tax things like that so it's gonna Ooh. be a whole, whole bunch of ways to just make money off of what people do undercover every weekend or every night just put it right. out in the light of day and you may actually find some new people that actually are be like well it's here i can do it we're not doing anything else might as well right so very interesting time true. so um definitely something to be watching like so you know you never know man you might wake up in a next year or a couple of months and you might be able to, you know, bet on your football team, college yeah. pro, you know, on a Sunday yeah. or Saturday or the Super Bowl, those crazy prop bets that come yeah. up, you know, right there from the, you know, from your phone. Just say, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. put $50 on them. First score is going to be a field goal. All oh,
1: right. great. <laughs> next thing you know, you are the, you are richer. Right, right. So
0: just a brave new world and the sports landscape. So, i definitely going to keep my eyes on that. So Dwayne, I'm going to turn it over to you, man, for any final thoughts, thank yous, or anything that we didn't cover that you'd like to talk about.
1: Um, let's see. Anything we didn't cover. I want to say, uh, pretty much, um, so on the, in the world of European football, um, there is the, um, Championship playoffs going on, and what the championship playoffs are going on in in English football across the pond. uh, There are two, there are three slots for the Premier League. Uh, Three teams get relegated from the Premier League to the English Football League Championship, and three teams get promoted from the championship to the Premier League. So um, this year is Swansea City, Stoke City, and West Bromwich Albion, those are the three uh, football clubs that are going to be leaving the Premier League after this year, or after this past, this past Sunday, I should say. And uh, three teams that are replacing them are the uh, Wolves or Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, Cardiff City Football Club, and um, the there's teams that are seated three through six, and those teams that are seated three through six actually play a two leg um, a two leg um, two leg run before the uh, championship playoff final at Wembley Stadium um, it's going to be Fulham uh, Football Club versus Aston Villa and the winner will get the third spot in the Premier League um, and so uh, Fulham came back on the second leg at home and beat a Derby County two to one on the aggregate, and to be held off uh, Middlesbrough uh, with a, a 1-0 away win and a 1-0 victory on the aggregate. So those two teams will play September, I mean, not September, May 26th in the final. Uh, the winner will get the third spot in the um, in the Premier League for next year. Uh, it's the same day as the Champions League final. Uh, Liverpool and Real Madrid. so uh, Probably something I'll be looking at in the next few weeks and uh, probably giving some props to the winners on the score.
0: Alright, little footy for those of you guys out there who are into that. Um, The NBA draft lottery is going to go down a little bit later. The Suns at 25% have the best chance mathematically followed by the Grizzlies, the Mavericks, the Hawks, and the Magic, so good luck to all of the fans who are uh, any fans of those teams. Uh, their fortunes could turn around if they do get that number one pick. Or at least if you get in the top three. I'd say if you get in the top three, you got a chance to, to turn your, your program around. Um, Robinson Cano got suspended for 80 games after, posi- after a positive test for PEDs. Uh, a couple of days after getting hit on the hand where he's going to be out a few weeks anyway, because he had a fractured hand. So on top of that, now he's got this positive PED test and uh, that might be enough to keep him out of the hall of fame. He was basically projected towards a a hall of fame career. Um, He led, he was the leader in uh, most uh, hits for active players um, because, you know, when you get to people making 3,000 hits, you always start looking towards who's the next guy, who's playing, who could get it and uh, he already had like 1,800 hits and, you know, when he was well on his way to getting, you know, another 1,100 for his career make it to, 3, 000, so 1, to make it to 3,000, so 1,200 to make it to 3,000, so, you know, big blow for the uh, Mariners as well he was their, you know, big name player the guy who was bringing everybody into the ballpark he was living up to the contract and the expectations, but uh this setback would definitely um you know be a big blow to them in, in his career so you know, hopefully he can bounce back after this um so that's always sucks
1: when you know big stars like that get get popped for PEDs. Oh yeah one more thing too. Uh this one will be my final final thought. Um Carolina Panthers did get sold uh, today. Um Jerry Richardson who was and is still under investigation for racial and sexual, um, actions in the workplace. Uh, he sold the team to, uh, David Tepper, who was the minority owner of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the, um, the, uh, price of the, the price of the team, $2.2 billion. Uh, Tepper, I think, paid that in cash. Um, <laughs> and straight cash, homie, straight cash. So, um, it is unclear if there's any minority investors. Um, I do know that Tepper does not want to change anything on the football operations side. Uh, Ron Rivera, um, Marty Herney, Cam Newton, um, those are all they're all under contract. Tepper doesn't want to make any, um, changes there. So, that's, um, uh, a relief to the fans. Probably the biggest relief is, He's not focused on a new stadium in Charlotte. Um, he wants to enhance the stadium experience at Bank of America Stadium, which, you know, is 23 years old um, this season, but uh, it's in the upper third of stadiums in terms of age, but it still is pretty brand new, and they still have had significant renovations on it anyways. So, um, I don't see anything um, happening in terms of um, the Panthers' leave, which was probably one of the biggest concerns of this area anyway.
0: Uh, two things before we get out. First off, it's very fitting that somebody who was a part owner of the Steelers would actually buy the Panthers because they've always tried to model themselves after the Steelers. Right, That's always been kind of their... You know, initial that's the reason why they went and got Dom Capers to be their first coach is because they wanted to try to figure out what the Steelers did and what made them so great. So, on that note, they finally accomplished that. Second, if it's true that this dude paid for this team in cash with actual, like, real money that he actually had on hand and not just like, oh, I got to liquidate all this stuff and then I actually have this for you to get, then I think he would have a couple of hundred million around just to be like, ah. I'm gonna buy this land right here and just put a stadium up. Here it is right. for now.
1: You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> they and one of the most popular and options where there is land available is on the border of North North and South Carolina, over by Carolyn's Amusement Park. So yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then truly make them the Carolina Panthers and not the slash Charlotte
1: Panthers, huh? Right. <laughs> exactly. But put yeah. um, the but the 50 yard line at the state line, there you go.
0: <laughs> but uh, I guess that's kind of the same thing that uh, Jacksonville, their group, ha- has done in the last few years. Where instead of trying to get the city to, or the state to build them a new stadium, which would definitely mean that they would probably have to move if that was they played that hard line position they just started putting in the money into their stadium and trying to change up their stadium experience. And uh, my cousin's a season ticket holder, and he's been for over a decade. And, yeah, he says, man, going to Jacksonville games now, it's like it's so much fun because they got TVs everywhere. They got all kinds of lounge places where you can drink and ledges where you can just kind of like overhangs and things where, you know, it's like a lot like the game sometimes is just in the background and you forget right. that you're
1: actually at the, you know, football game because the stadium right. is so good now. Yeah, the pool is really my favorite part of that stadium experience too. Uh, the pool that they have at the uh, at the stadium.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So if he can kind of take some of that and bring that to the Panthers, I've never been to a game there, but if, you know, if that's kind of what he has in mind to kind of go that route, then, you know, that's a good move for the Panthers. And like you okay. said, it helps everybody in the city and, and, and everything to, you know, the stadium experience is not always as fun because you don't have the TVs and that, you know, just other things to do. If you get restless besides sitting in your seat. So the more that you can bring to the stadium experience, the better. So good luck to David Tepper, right? That's his name. That is correct. All right, so good luck to David Tepper and his 2.2 billion dollar investment. So, yes. All right. So, for my co-host, the Libra Icon Dwayne, I'm Don rente and now, you know the score.